What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It is Thursday, February 3rd. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And this is What a Day, where the only nominees we want to see in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. That's right. They made this theme song. And it's about time their names are hung up among the greats. Yeah, the order, Janis Joplin, Jay-Z, the creators of the What a Day theme songs. That's just how it is. On today's show, the island nation of Tonga goes into lockdown after aid workers bring in COVID. Plus, CNN president Jeff Zucker steps down after failing to disclose a consensual relationship with a fellow executive. But first, we have an update on Ukraine. The United States will soon move additional forces to Romania, Poland, and Germany. I want to be very clear about something. These are not permanent moves. They are moves designed to respond to the current security environment. Moreover, these forces are not going to fight in Ukraine. They're going to ensure the robust defense of our NATO allies. That was John F. Kirby, the spokesperson for the Pentagon, talking about the deployment of 3,000 additional U.S. troops to Eastern Europe. A thousand of those troops are already stationed in Germany, but will move to Romania. And as he mentioned there, the stated intent is not to send troops into Ukraine, but rather to protect NATO allies in the region. Also, on Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that the White House is no longer going to use the word imminent to describe any potential Russian invasion of Ukraine. As we had mentioned before, Ukrainian officials, including President Zelensky, had disagreed with this characterization and even said that it could lead to panic. Yeah, and the Pentagon also confirmed the veracity of leaked documents outlining some of the diplomatic back and forth between the U.S., NATO, and Russia. According to reporting from the New York Times, the documents confirmed and added details to the issues that were kind of broadly known, namely Russia's demand that Ukraine never be allowed to join NATO and that the West scales back military presence in Eastern Europe. In those same documents, the Biden administration proposes a quote-unquote transparency mechanism that would allow both the U.S. and Russia to respectively verify the absence of certain missiles that Russia says they are concerned about being fired into the country. NATO and the U.S. have said in response to Putin's concerns that those missiles are only defensive. The Times story goes on to say that Ukraine's foreign minister backed another U.S. proposal that it would not have ground troops permanently based in Ukraine. All of that is happening as a number of European leaders, including Prime Minister Boris Johnson and President Emmanuel Macron, have been talking directly to Putin or planning to. So there will almost certainly be more developments on all of this pretty soon. Yeah, we will stay on that in the coming days. But now we're going to highlight an important conversation that we had yesterday. January 22nd marked the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, ahead of a potential ruling from the Supreme Court in the months ahead that could effectively overturn it. Yeah, and conservative lawmakers across the country have really been racing to pass new anti-abortion restrictions in anticipation of the new ruling. According to the Washington Post, legislators in at least 29 states have filed those kinds of bills during this legislative session. Meanwhile, there are already signs that money is just pouring in the direction of anti-abortion groups like the Susan B. Anthony list. 
But countering those legislative efforts from conservatives, there have been at least 17 states where bills have been filed to protect abortion access, according to Planned Parenthood. With all of this impending, we wanted to learn more about what organizers are doing on the ground and how we can support them. So we have with us today Destiny Lopez. She is the co-president of All Above All, a reproductive rights coalition fighting to make abortion more accessible. Destiny, welcome to What A Day. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So as an organizer that has long fought for reproductive justice, what was your initial reaction when you heard that the Supreme Court would hear challenges to Roe v. Wade? Um, unfortunately, I was unsurprised. Um, I've been doing this work for two decades now, and in really in the last decade, we've seen a slow, steady drip of state legislatures that have sought to ban abortion. And I think our opponent's agenda has always been um, to ban abortion outright. And year after year, we were seeing hundreds of abortion restrictions being introduced in the states. Abortion's really been legislated out of existence in many states over the past several mm-hmm. years. And yeah. so I think we were bound to see this end. It was just a matter of when it would happen. And here we are. Yeah. And we heard you on Potsy of the People last year. You were talking mm-hmm. about the Hyde Amendment. And yeah. I think that's something that sometimes comes up, but maybe people don't necessarily have a ton of familiarity with. It's a law that bans the use of federal funds mm-hmm. for an abortion. Could you talk about how the push to repeal the Hyde Amendment relates to this current moment that we're living in? Yeah, I mean, some would argue that because of the Hyde Amendment, Roe has been out of existence or not a reality for Black and brown folks. Roe happens in 73. About three years later, um, Congress passes the Hyde Amendment. Um, And the congressman who it's named after, Henry Hyde, actually said in his testimony around this appropriations hearing that if he could ban abortion outright, he would. Mm -hmm. But the only thing he had in his control was the Medicaid program. And so Hyde essentially prevents anyone who's enrolled in Medicaid from accessing abortion care. Those folks tend to be in this country, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, and folks who are working to make ends meet. And so for those folks, it has been more and more impossible, certainly from an affordability standpoint, to get abortion care in this country. And then those same folks are bearing the brunt of the restrictions that are happening now. If you think about where they're happening in the South, right, in the Southwest, as I said, it's like a slow, steady drip, and that's all the way since the Hyde Amendment. There's a lot of other reporting out there about this hitting marginalized communities the hardest. Can you talk a little bit about if, you know, Roe gets overturned, how that would further impact those communities specifically? So if we think about who's most impacted right now by abortion restrictions, they tend to be black and brown folks, folks who are working multiple jobs, working to make ends meet, working really hard to do that. And those unsurprisingly happen to be the same folks that are impacted by the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Who are impacted by the racial reckoning that started a couple of years ago. If you think about the demographics of Mississippi, right? right. Texas, you know, we've got a huge Latinx and immigrant population. So it is already populations that have never been served by our healthcare system in general well. You know, it's the same people over and over who are facing, whether it's racism or economic injustice, and now, you know, who we're seeking abortion justice for. And those are ultimately the ones who are going to be most impacted, already are most impacted, but certainly if the Supreme Court rules the wrong way, we'll feel this the most. Yeah. Okay. So ever since the Supreme Court upheld the Texas law banning abortions after six weeks, Conservative lawmakers have really wasted no time pushing similar, if not worse, anti-abortion bills in their respective states across the country. 
One example, Nebraska recently introduced a bill that would ban all abortions without exceptions if Roe v. Wade is overturned. So how are organizers like yourself combating these Republican-backed efforts on the local level? You know, we've been in such a defensive crouch as a movement for so long. We have to get creative and find solutions that are out of the box. We're also asking the federal government to do things like, how can we make it more secure for immigrant communities, right, to ensure that if they're going to have to travel across state lines to get abortion care increasingly, how do we make sure they're also not going to be worried about getting stopped by ICE. Um, And what I'm heartened by are all of the black and brown organizers on the ground in states like Texas and Georgia who are really leading these fights. Where do things stand on Hyde Amendment repeals at the moment? What kind of timeline are we looking at on the federal level for that? When we started all of all um, after the Affordable Care Act, that was 10 years ago, and we thought we we were in a 15-year fight. It's taken a little longer. We had a couple of setbacks with, you know, something called the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we had a couple of really important and historic moments this year and last year. Um, President Biden was the first president since the Hyde Amendment, you know, was first introduced to remove that restriction from his budget, Mm -hmm. which would have ultimately meant that Medicaid coverage would have been restored now. The numbers aren't so good for us in the Senate. We haven't gotten all the way to the finish line, but I think we've had important markers that are laid down so that when the tide turns in Congress, we really have set the stage for that to be overturned in the long term. So I do also want to get back to Texas. So we're talking to you about five months, I believe, into the ban being instituted in the states. But what have the impacts been over that span of time? What it has meant is that folks have to leave the state of Texas in order to get care. Um, you have to think about the states that surround it. So people are going to Colorado, people are going to um, California, right? Like mm-hmm. we know that the states that are bordering Texas that have more um, progressive abortion laws are actually on the receiving end of those folks. We have folks that are crossing the border to Mexico, right? Because they are able to acquire pills there. Folks are having to now scrape together money to make that trip. Um, and that's not an inexpensive trip to make. You're probably boarding a plane. Right. Um, you're probably leaving your family behind, which means you have to get childcare. You're losing a day of work. And then you haven't even paid for your abortion yet. So it's now gotten, there are more barriers for you to getting that care. It's more expensive. And likely because you have all those barriers, you're probably getting that procedure later in pregnancy. And the later you go, the more expensive it gets. It's a mass exodus from Texas to get abortion care at this point. So for all intents and purposes, it is outlawed in Texas right now. Yeah, wow. So you spoke a little bit about money just now. There's obviously Mm -hmm. a lot of money that's also flowing into anti-abortion organizations that have been gearing up for this fight, you know, for years. I want to know a little bit more about the infrastructure that exists on the other side, though, to counter that. And what are, you know, the encouraging signs in terms of involvement, what do we have going on there? One of the areas where we're seeing a lot of movement is folks supporting abortion funds. We are going to need to put money in the hands of abortion funds on the ground. And so I think the abortion funds, the National Network of Abortion Funds, have seen a huge influx of contributions. And that money needs to keep flowing because the need is going to grow once the Supreme Court makes that decision if it rules in the wrong way. I also think there's been a lot of support going to our independent clinics and our Planned Parenthood clinics who really form the backbone of abortion care. Mm. They're obviously going to see their clinics closing. They're going to have to do everything they can to help their existing clinics survive and now 
get an influx of patients, right, from these neighboring states. And so that's where we've also seen it. But at the federal level, we do have the Women's Health Protection Act, which will counter some of the legal aspects of this issue. And so there's a push to get that passed through Congress. So there is some hope, but I think a lot of us now are starting to think about like, what's the long term here? What's our vision for abortion access? Mm. Because that's where we need to go because we're in it for another 15 to 20 years of building back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. For our listeners who are hearing this and want to get involved, want to do something, what do you suggest, you know, that they do in the fight for abortion justice and how not to just feel powerless while we wait for a Supreme Court ruling? Yeah, yeah. So fund abortion, find your local abortion fund. There's an abortion fund in almost every state in this country or donate to the National Network of Abortion Funds who can redistribute that money. Go to keepourclinics.org. That is how you can support the independent clinics who provide the majority of abortions in this country right now and will continue to play that role even if Roe is gutted. We want abortion care that's available without unnecessary barriers, that's affordable and accessible. Mm. So we need to be asking our federal government to make sure that that's readily available. We need to make sure that state governments aren't banning that use or the use of telehealth, right? So there's ways for us to call for state legislatures to begin to take these issues on, to reverse bad policies, but also to begin to build back. We've been using this phrase, build back better, because that's like a big thing at the federal government right now, but like we need to build abortion back better now. And so that's where I have hope and that's what I'm in it for is I want to envision the future of abortion care. And we need to start doing that now to realize that vision, you know, in the next five to 10 to 20 years. Yeah, really grateful for your time, Destiny. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks again for having me and for talking about this issue. More on all of this very soon, but that is the latest for now. We will be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Tonga went into lockdown last night after reporting five cases of the coronavirus. This comes weeks after the nation was battered by a powerful volcanic eruption and tsunami. Tonga had been virtually virus-free since the beginning of the pandemic, and officials had actually feared that by accepting aid from other countries following Tonga's natural disasters that residents would be exposed to COVID. Ships and planes from Australia, China, New Zealand, Japan, and Britain have all been delivering aid. And those nations had promised to drop off their supplies without actually coming into contact with anybody in Tonga. But two port workers helping distribute the aid tested positive for the virus on Tuesday, and three more people tested positive on Wednesday. During a press conference yesterday, Prime Minister C.O.C. Sovaleni said that the lockdown would help slow the spread and boats won't be allowed to travel between islands. Tonga is a nation of 171 islands, 45 of which are inhabited. Jeez, COVID really making the effort to get absolutely everywhere. Seriously. We hate to see it. Yes. Brian Flores, who was fired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins back in January, filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three of its teams on Tuesday. In addition to suing the Dolphins, he is also suing the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos, both teams that he had previously interviewed to work for. Flores alleges he was fired on account of his race and says racial discrimination is endemic within the NFL, pointing to the fact that none of the league's 32 team owners are black, but all profit from the labor of its players, 70% of whom are African-American. Here is Flores speaking on CBS Mornings yesterday. We didn't have to file a lawsuit for the world to know that there's a problem from a hiring standpoint in regards to minority coaches in the National Football League. The numbers speak for themselves. Right. Uh, We filed the lawsuit so that we could create some change. In response, the NFL released a statement Tuesday night saying these claims are made, quote, without merit. (laughs) Moving on to a different time when the NFL had a major problem with race, the Washington football team finally got a new name yesterday. They will be calling themselves the Commanders. Okay. It has been two years since the team officially tossed out its old name, which was considered a racial slur for Native Americans. As for a new mascot and fight song, the team's president, Jason Wright, said that the commanders want their fans to help flesh out those ideas. (laughs) Just like football, rebranding is a team sport, and there is no I in commanders. Really looking forward to that, but I also want to say quickly, if people have not read the text between Brian Flores and Bill Belichick, that is truly something to see. We'll get into a lot of that very soon. The man whose grip on the minds of liberal-leaning parents with cable once seemed immutable, uh, CNN's President Jeff Zucker, stepped down yesterday after revealing that he had failed to disclose a romance with a fellow executive. 
The relationship came to light following investigations into another scandal at CNN, specifically into the conduct of former anchor Chris Cuomo, who is alleged to have read Americans the news while simultaneously working to suppress the news of sexual harassment allegations against his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. That's right, folks. They are back in your lives and in your ears. Unfortunately. <laughs> Aren't we all so very lucky? Uh, Zucker had been involved with Allison Gullis, CNN's executive vice president and chief marketing officer. And just adding one more thread to this very tangled Cuomo web, the communications director for Andrew Cuomo for four months around 2013. Wow. Uh, Gullist will stay on at CNN. In his resignation letter, Zucker said of his relationship, quote, I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. His departure was celebrated by many on the right, including Donald Trump, who often attacked Zucker for his network's coverage of his presidency. When really, you think about it, was not so bad. There was a lot of <laughs> empty podium shots we got of Trump rallies during that era. Yeah, I don't I don't fully understand that complaint. I also don't fully understand why people don't date outside of the workplace a little more often. It Just try it. Call me crazy. <laughs> there are options out there. There are options. Truly a indeed. whole world outside of your workplace. <laughs> just, just saying. Listen, Jeff. It's fine. Once again, billions of innocent dollars are caught in the middle of a high-profile divorce. Oh, no. Melinda French Gates will reportedly no longer give most of her approximately $6 billion fortune to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as she had planned. But instead, she will spread her money across other philanthropic endeavors. According to the Wall Street Journal, she made the decision late last year when she published her first solo giving pledge letter since separating from Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates. Along with Warren Buffett, Bill and Melinda started the Giving Pledge in 2010 to try and encourage the other rich people of the world to <laughs> donate over half of their wealth to philanthropic causes. In this model, no, you do not pay taxes. Don't worry, that's still not part of the equation. But you do give huge presents and get to write about it on Medium. Sick. Melinda Gates is at least a self-aware multi-billionaire and wrote in last year's letter, quote, I recognize the absurdity of so much wealth being concentrated in the hands of one person, and I believe the only responsible thing to do with a fortune this size is give it away. The Gates Foundation had no comment on these reports. I'm sure they have been having no comments on quite a few, quite a few things. things over the past yeah. few months. Yeah. That's a busy inbox over there. I, I feel bad for uh, who is handling that. Big yikes. And those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. Check out the latest episode of Hysteria. This week, senior critic at large and fashion critic at the Washington Post, Robin Givon, joins to discuss the intersection of fashion and politics, how Michelle Obama changed the first lady style game, and curious case of the president's pocket squares. Hmm. Plus, Aaron and Alyssa discuss the Republican-led state attack on abortion and debate about President Biden's soon-to-be-named SCOTUS pick. New episodes of Hysteria drop every Thursday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, think of the innocent dollars, please, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the list of known Cuomo associates like me, <laughs> it's long. What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and put, put us, us in, in charge, charge of, of CNN. CNN. Don't do that. It sounds like a miserable job. I really would not wish it on my worst enemy. I don't know, but I think if you put us on TV for an hour, that could be fun. That could be very fun. That just we're a okay thought with. for whoever's taken over. Yeah, just maybe. Thank you in advance.
What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein with writing support from Jossie Kaufman. And our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.